Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor uh, Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for um, our podcast today. Hey, before we get going, I just want to take a moment and let you know that I have a brand new book. In fact, it came out at our pastor's conference. It's a book entitled, What If Paul were your life coach. You know, in our society today, uh, there are a lot of life coaches out there. They come in to instruct us on how to just do life better in the business arena and our home life and just in all areas of life. But I was thinking to myself, what if the Apostle Paul were life coach? What would be the things he would say to you about developing your relationship with God and making sure that that relationship was really at the top level? And so in this book, I talk about 10 things that Paul would say to you, 10 areas of life that Paul would drill down on and spend a few moments talking to you about. I think that it's a, a great book. You can go online and you can purchase that book at uh, Gerald Brooks Ministries. Uh, but I want to encourage you. Also, for uh, some of you that like leadership material, I've just released a new flash drive. Every time I release a flash drive, it has my previous year's information. So any of you that have gotten a uh, flash drive from last year, this is this year brand new information. But in there, there's a series, and it's called Back to the Future. And really what it's about is it's from the book of Revelation. And in there, I walk people through how the book of Revelation reads in a 3D fashion. Most all communication I've ever heard on the book of Revelation is uh, linear. It's just one-dimensional. But the book of Revelation is really three dimensions, and it deals with a lot of threes. It deals with time, the past, the present, and the future. It deals with God in three dimensions, the devil in three dimensions, and it deals with life in three dimensions. In the book of Revelation are these series of three dimensions all colliding at once. And so if you just look at it in light of today, you're going to miss you have to look at the past, the present, and the future. If you just look at it in terms of the devil and you don't see the three dimensions there, you will uh, miss. So I want to encourage you. That's just one of uh, several series that are on that flash drive. And that also is available on my webpage. So I just want to mention that to you. Hey, today uh, I want to talk to you about uh, a very simple lesson. What are the things that a leader must remember? What are the things that a leader must remember? You know, I have a privilege in my life of having access to some of the highest levels of leaders in uh, a lot of different fields, and not just in the spiritual, but also in the secular. And I'm an avid watcher of leaders, not just reading their material, but watching them. And so I'm watching leaders in all domains, in all categories, in all stages of life, and in all sections of life. One of the things is I've always thought, what is it they have to remember? So let me walk through a series of things that I think leaders must remember. Number one is uh, they have to remember to notice. They have to remember to notice. Now, uh, this sounds simple, but it's really not. See, leaders 
lead at a fast pace. The very nature of life is that it's fast. The very nature of organizations are that they're fast. The very nature of decision-making is that it's fast. And, And leaders lead at a fast pace and at a fast level. And one of the things that happens with speed is that you're no longer able to notice some things. But when I spot a very, very good leader, what I notice is they notice. They remember to notice. See, leaders draw crowds. They draw. By nature of leadership, you attract people. Not just singularly, but in multiples, you attract people. But too often in leadership, leadership becomes about the size of the crowd rather than the people in the crowd. And highly effective leaders are able to draw a crowd, but they're able to notice the people within the crowd. Now, we can't think of a better leader than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as our Savior, he sets the model of all leadership that would ever be set forth. Now, one of the things that you see is how Jesus responded in the midst of a crowd. If I took you over to Mark chapter 5, you see a story. And in there, it says that there was a great throng of people around him. This means that literally people were pushing to get at him. You can imagine a crowd that's so intense that they're pushing each other and pushing into each other. And they're trying to get a glimpse of this man, this rabbi, as they saw him at that time. But in the midst of this throng of people, there's going to be a lady, an individual, one person who's going to reach forth and is going to touch him. And not him, just the hem of his garment. And as a result of that, Jesus is going to stop and he's going to turn to his disciples and he's going to say, who touched me? And in the midst of that, he's going to discover this lady. See, that's what I find leaders do. In the midst of the crowd, they discover the individual. They're able to notice who's there and what's going on, and they're able to detect. I say that to you because in life, leaders have to notice. And a part of noticing is just developing some very simple qualities, like walking slowly. Not being at such a fast pace when you're walking through your building, your organization, that you don't notice who you're walking by. See, we walk by people all the time. But when we walk by people, we need to notice them. And so we walk slowly. That means that we also smile freely. See, our face either puts up a you're welcome sign or a don't disturb sign. And when our heads are down and we're walking fast, we're saying to everyone, don't mess with me. I'm busy. I'm doing important things. And you're not one of those important things. But a leader walks slowly through the crowd. And as they walk slowly, their heads up and they smile. And they're saying to people, you know what? You're important to me. And they smile and they catch a glimpse. And they not only smile, but they say hi. Yeah, in this world where people's heads are down looking at their cell phone, where people are trained not to make eye contact, you walk slowly, you notice who you're walking by, 
you say hi to them and they may be looking at their cell phone, but when you say hi, most of them are going to look up and they're going to see you. And it's not only that, but a profound leader who has a spiritual aspect to them and maybe leads in not the secular world, but the spiritual world, they walk slowly and they smile freely and then they say hi and then they say, hey, is there anything I can help you with? And then sometimes they're going to tell you things. They're going to talk about someone in the hospital. They're going to talk about a need that they have, a circumstance. And it's at that point that you get to do one of the most powerful things. You say, let me pray for you. You don't say, I'm going to pray for you. You say, let me pray for you. And you grab their hand. And when you grab their hand, you look at them and you pray. You pray. And it may be a 30-second prayer. God help them as they're going through this moment in life. Thank you that you haven't forgotten them, that your hand is upon them. And do you know what you've done? In the midst of the crowd, you've noticed the individual. Remember to notice. Number two, remember to stay on target. Life is busy. All of us have more to do than we have time to do it. You're not going to look at anyone's schedule without it being totally filled in today's life. But we can never forget that in leading, that we need to make sure that we stay on target. And what does that mean? Every leader has a goal, something that they are to do or that God's asked them to do. And as they do that, they can't be so busy in the systems that they forget what is significant. I've watched people who are just consumed with the systems, and they forget the significance of what they're doing. Let me illustrate it this way. A few years ago, I had taken my kids to Disney World. When we were at Disney World, uh, we were at a pavilion there, and inside they were showing a video just to distract people as they were waiting in line. But this video was of a Teacher of the Year award that Disney puts on, and it was showing this amazing crowd of people, all teachers, all had been nominated, all were the uh, upper echelon of what uh, teaching should be, and then this young lady is chosen as the teacher of the year. People are clapping, but then there's this cut into an interview and the question is asked, when did you become a great teacher? And I can remember the answer. I thought it was so profound. She said, I became a great teacher the day that I realized my job wasn't teaching math. My job was teaching kids. I thought to myself, how many times in life have I seen someone thinking that the information was more critical than the individual? And in the midst of that, she was saying, I became a great teacher when I realized I was teaching kids. I wasn't just going through the playbook of math. I was teaching kids. For me, it's very simple. 
I never want to forget that my job is to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. Many of you that are around me, you will hear me say that all the time. Heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. That's my job. How do I attract people to Christ? And how do I attract them in a way that I become more efficient and propagating kingdom values in kingdom life? So for me, my job is to create an environment at my church where the lost are saved and the saved serve. That is a statement that we say continually. We want to create an environment where the lost are going to be saved and the saved are going to serve. That's our target. No matter what happens, we do not lose sight of our target. Whatever your target is, in your business, in your career, in your family, in your ministry, stay on target. Number three, remember to say thanks. We live in a time that um, expectations are very high. In fact, if you do something for someone, it's expected. Well, of course you would do that. Why wouldn't you do that? That's what you're supposed to do. But in life, it's also our job to have gratitude, to have a spirit of appreciation, to be able to say thank you to people and to express that thanks in an ongoing way. I watch parents all the time turning to their kids and saying, say thank you. And I watch that and I watch these kids struggle with it. Now, I've asked myself the question, is it because it's a new skill that they're learning or is it because it's something they're not seeing? I've watched parents teach their kids to say thank you when the parents don't say thank you. Wow. See, kids do what the parents do. And so thank you is one of those opportunities. See, when we say thanks to someone, we connect with them. People are always talking about, well, we want to connect with people. Tell them thank you. People connect with people who say thanks to them. And when you say thank you, you not only connect to them, but you create value in them. Because you're saying what they did was important and how they did it, they did it well. So remember to say thanks. Number four, remember not to take yourself seriously. One of the most frustrating things is to be around a leader who takes themselves seriously. Now, what they do may be serious and how they do it may require them to be serious, but that doesn't mean they take themselves serious. There's nothing like it in our society to watch leaders who think, you know what? Take me seriously. And you watch them and they want it to be all about them. To me, this is the dividing line between the world and Christianity. In the world, we take the leader seriously. In Christianity, we take Jesus seriously. And so we want to create an environment where any seriousness is pointed to Christ. I decrease that he might increase. And as I say often, 
when you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. So just remember, when you're in your journey, sometimes back away and understand that you're in an environment where taking yourself seriously is probably going to create a distorted image and view of yourself rather than taking Christ seriously, which creates a proper image of him. Number five, remember success is boring. I watch people who are always into the big adventure. And I'm excited for them that there are big adventures out there. But in between the big adventures, there's just life. There's just every day. You get up. You live the day. You go to bed. You get up. You live the day. You go to bed. You get up. You live the day. And you go to bed. It's amazing to me how many people can be good for a short period of time. You give them a day, they can excel. Give them a week, they'll do a good job. Give them a month. But see, success is being able to replicate it over and over again. Now, those of you that know me know that I play golf a little bit. I'm not a good golfer. I don't have time to be a good golfer. If I had time to be a good golfer, I wouldn't have time to do other things. But because I'm not a good golfer, but I play golf, every now and then an accident will happen and I will hit a good shot. Wow, it is purely an accident. I aim somewhere, I hit somewhere, and the ball goes where I aim and where I hit. And every now and then, I can put together two good shots back to back. And even on one hole recently, I put together three good shots back to back. Now, I hit good shots, but the only way that I would ever be a pro golfer is if I could replicate that success continually. It's not that I can hit a good shot, It's not that I don't occasionally hit a good shot. It's that I don't hit every shot where it's a good shot. So the reason there's professional golfers and there's unprofessional golfers, i.e. me, is because I can't replicate my success. I can't do it time after time repeatedly. Now, here's what you need to know. To be successful In any endeavor, you have to be able to repeat the same thing over and over. Can you have a good day and turn it into a good week? And can you have a good week and turn it into a good month? Can you have a good month and turn it into a good year? Can you have a couple of good years and turn it into uh, a decade? Can you have a decade of good years and then turn it into two decades? Can you do it repeatedly? If you do anything repeatedly, you have to deal with the boredom because you're used to doing it. You know how to do it. You just do it over and over again. Most people want success, but they can't handle success because to handle success, you have to do the same things repeatedly over and over again. Remember, success is boring. Number six, 
remember, you can't make it alone. Years ago, uh, there was a book written called A Star is Born. And it was a study of, at that time, was Bell Labs. The Bell Laboratories were one of the most creative East Coast think tanks and development centers that ever existed. Before there was Silicon Valley, there were the um, these labs. There were these opportunities. But you know what? Sometimes there would be people in the Bell Labs that would do amazing things. And they would think, well, I'm amazing. And some company would go hire them. And then they didn't do anything amazing. And the concept of the book, The Star is Born, was about people who thought they were stars and that they burned so brightly that they could be stars all by themselves. But when they got away from the team, the other people, they didn't succeed. Why? Because we weren't made to succeed in the singular. God created us to succeed in groups. And yeah, there's some frustration when you have people on your team that don't think like you, aren't wired like you, aren't emotionally in tune like you, but that's all right. You can't make it alone. And what leaders need to remember is they must remember that our job is to be better at we than me. Can I be better at we than just me? Can I be better? So, remember you can't make it alone. Number seven, remember that life is a classroom. And because life is a classroom, every leader needs to remember to ask this question. What have I learned today? What is it from what I've interacted with? What is it based on who I've interacted that has caused me to learn something? What have I learned today? Remember that life is a classroom. Number eight. As a leader, remember your disciplines are the organizational habits. If I've learned anything over this last year and being thrown into organizational trauma, helping people who were high-capacity leaders, if I've learned anything, it is that the disciplines that the leader has personally become the habits of the organization. So let me put it this way. If you're bad at money and you can't discipline your own income and money, then what I would say to you is your organization's going to struggle with money. If you are not good at mastering time, your organization's going to lack the habit of mastering time. You don't bring to the organization disciplines you don't possess as an individual. So when I come into an organization, I deal with those disciplines. Let me illustrate it this way. Many years ago, we were borrowing some money as a congregation. It was a large amount of money for us, and it was going to be quite significant. Now, the group that was going to loan us this money had gone through and looked at our organization, and they had seen all the data points they needed 
but they said, we want to ask you something. Now, we can't require this, but we're going to ask it. We want to run a credit check on you. See, you know what they were saying? You're the leader of this organization. And if my credit's no good, then probably lending credit to an organization's not going to be a wise thing. And I looked at them. I said, guys, go for it. You have my permission. And they checked my credit and came back and said, we'll do this. Why? Because they discovered I had a discipline. Now, am I that disciplined in every area? No, but I replicate my disciplines and the organization. Remember, your disciplines become the habit of the organization. Number nine, remember the key to tomorrow is today. Now, whatever you're experiencing today is usually a result of what you've done yesterday. And you may be in a position that you can't change anything about today. But what you can change is you can change things about tomorrow. And you can change those things by understanding that today is where you plant the seeds for tomorrow. So I may not be able to change today, but I can change tomorrow. And it starts today. It starts at this particular moment. It starts today. And number 10, remember why. Leadership is filled with what's. Well, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do next? What are we going to do when? But if you're going to lead, you lead because there's a why. There has to be a why that's bigger than every what. Because there's going to be some bad what's that happen. Well, what happened? Well, what's going on? Well, what are you doing? If you don't have a why, you will never be able to handle the what's. Ten things that a leader needs to remember. Remember to notice. Remember to stay on target. Remember to say thanks. Remember not to take yourself seriously. Remember success is boring. Remember you can't make it alone. Remember that life is a classroom. Remember that your disciplines are the organization's habits. Remember that the key to tomorrow is today. And remember why. Ten things that every leader has to remember. Thank you for joining with me. If you could do me a favor and let some of your friends know uh, about the podcast, if you know other people either in the secular world or the spiritual environment uh, that just want to wrap their arms around just some leadership thoughts, uh, please let them know. Just extend this opportunity and let them uh, know that they can uh, hook up on iTunes with us and get basically a couple of leadership lessons every month that they can translate into the arena that they're in. But I want to thank you for being faithful to listen and thank you for going out of your way to extend uh, just the invitation to other people that you know. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.